Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The old world is dying. The new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. With those words from Gramsci, I welcome you to the Time of Monsters podcast. Um, this podcast is sponsored by The Nation magazine, uh, and you can um, listen to it uh, on the website of The Nation, uh, but it's also widely available um, in all the sort of platforms that carry podcasts. Um, I should mention that the um, music at the beginning is from uh, Micah Whitman, and uh, we're very grateful uh, for his contributions, which uh, uh, get us off to a good start every uh, week. So this week, um, we got a sort of full panoply of American monsters uh, on our TV screens uh, through the um, debates at uh, the first Republican uh, presidential debate um, for 2024. Uh, absent, of course, the uh, biggest monster of all, Donald J. Trump, um, who is, uh, first of all, as the front runner by, by a wide margin, doesn't uh, feel himself um, compelled to debate these lesser lights, uh, but is also undergoing um, a lot of uh, legal problems as uh, of his own. Um, so uh, to talk about this, the uh, the presidential debates and what it kind of says, uh, I'm very happy to have um, on uh, Chris Lehman. Uh, he's a fellow writer at The Nation, and he's written about the debates, and he's also recently written about the uh, indictments of Donald Trump and um, um, where uh, we are um, in terms of having, a you know, some sort of um, legal redress uh, for Trump's many uh, crimes against the Republic. Uh, so, uh, Chris, I'm very uh, happy to uh, have you on. Um, uh, I mean, you know, Trump wasn't there, but he was also there. It's kind of like Schroeder's, um, Schrodinger's Trump uh, or the Cheshire Trump. He, uh, uh, I, you know, like uh, not on the debate stage, but a kind of looming invisible presence. Uh, did, did, what were your impressions of the debate? Well, yeah, I think it, it's, you know, there were a number of narratives to sort of track um, during the melee <laughs> that that transpired in Milwaukee. Um, one is obviously, you know, there's with Trump's lead. So commanding in the early polling, um, you know, everyone sort of described this as an aftercard, um, event that, uh, you know, these were people largely positioning either for, you know, greater traction in future presidential runs or, you know, the, the, strangely coveted slot of being Donald Trump's vice presidential nominee. Um, given that um, Trump's last vice president, who was also on the, on the stage, you know, ended uh, his term in office uh, receiving death threats choreographed by Trump. I'm not sure why, you know, people are falling over themselves to be Trump's vice presidential nominee, um, except it's the old narrative of, you know, people going 
after power by any means necessary. And also, I think deluding themselves, as everyone has throughout Donald Trump's career in, in uh, thinking, well, I'll be the I'll be the exception. I'll be the one who charms the monster and, you know, will win his favor and go on to still greater uh, things. You can ask Michael Cohen how, how that line of thinking <laughs> tends to pan out. And, and, you know, the four Trump attorneys who just turned themselves in in Georgia. Uh, but in any event, um, yeah, I think, you know, the Republican Party is in this really bizarre plight that, um, you know, it it freakishly came into power under Donald Trump's leadership in 2016 due to a whole series of, I, I think, pretty random and unrepeatable events. And now they're, um, you know, deadlocked. Uh, in, in the grip of Trumpism, even though the last three election cycles have not gone their way. Um, and that's conventionally the time when you hit the reset button if you're a major political party. Um, and so, you know, in a way, the debate was really a scrum to see who could be the most palatable version of Donald Trump, given that Donald Trump may end up, you know, if not in an orange jumpsuit, you know, maybe disqualified from um, the presidency. Um, certainly damaged by his legal troubles. Um, and, you know, it was yet another reminder of how unrepeatable Donald Trump himself is. You know, there there is no pat formula to kind of, you know, hit the right number of, um, you know, insults, drive-by attacks and, um, you know, soliloquies about wind power or uh, toilets not flushing properly. You know, these are all very sweet, generous kind of <laughs> features of, of the Trump brand, the Trump political brand. Um, so you had, you know, these kind of, you know, in my mind, um, both ludicrous and a little poignant um, efforts to impersonate <laughs> Trump in a more palatable manner. You know, you had uh, Ron DeSantis trying to be you know, as cold and vicious a version of the, the Trump agenda. You know, he relished saying he would uh, kill car cartel members um, stone cold dead and invade Mexico um, his first day in office. Um, you had, you know, Mike Pence in this, you know, kind of impossible position of having been the person who, who you know, with legitimate honor faced down uh, the, the January 6th coup and wanting kind of credit for that, but also saying, you know, he's incredibly proud of the, the Trump-Pence administration. Um, you have, you know, Tim Scott uh, trying to um, dress up the, the Trump message with, you know, full-scale attacks on the IRS, the um, Department of Education, teachers' unions. And it's it all is just comes across in this Mad Libs fashion. Like, you know, um, they... These are all, you know, random elements of uh, a reactionary ideology that now runs the Republican Party, but without the kind of central, weirdly charismatic figure of Donald Trump, they just fall completely flat. And that's why all these candidates are um, failing so badly in the polling. And and we should also obviously mention Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who... Uh, did the most impassioned kind of millennial uh, Trump imitation, um, you know, just, you know, declaring he would wipe out the administrative state to court, create a revolution, um, 
and you know saying climate change was a hoax all of this you know stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah well i i mean in some ways i i, I do think um uh, of the various trump imitators you know um uh the cover trump cover bands we could call right. them <laughs> I, I i do think that uh ramaswamy uh sort of came the closest and it, it's worth asking like you know why um he was a, uh, able to do that and it's partially um you know he's never held elected office so he's not right. bound by the right. kind of you know record and and uh, rules and conventions of uh sort of normal politics he is a bit uh, i mean i think republican voters have shown a certain propensity to be attracted to the kind of um abusive boss figure the ceo right. you know the uh, take charge ceo who will like fire everybody um and trump had that to perfection because he played that character on the um, apprentice television, right. <laughs> so, so so obviously he had, he had the authenticity that you could only uh, get from reality tv um <laughs> uh, but, but but you know rams uh ramaswamy can um do that with some degree of um uh, credibility uh he is a ceo i, I mean I think his business model, like as people will inspect it, um, seems a little bit crooked. But that's also true of Trump. Oh <laughs> so, yeah. So I, uh, I think that, uh, um, and so 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 he is able to come out. I am the political outsider. I'm not beholden to the donor class, um, uh, as Trump claimed in 2015, 2016. Uh, you know, and um, I, I'm my own uh, man, and I'm also, you know, uh, CEO. So um, I think that's a pretty attractive uh, package. And I have to say, you know, um, speaking as someone who's born in India himself, like, uh, you know, like, I think there's a kind um, I was born in India. Uh, Vivek was obviously uh, born in the United States, but he is of uh, um, Indian heritage. And, you know, he falls into this sort of category of the sort of model minority that is uh, willing to exploit his status as a person of color uh, to ingratiate himself to Republicans who like nothing more than a person of color who says, you know, reverse racism is the real racism. racism right, uh, right. So, um, so I mean, uh, so altogether, like, you know, okay, none of these guys are going to overtake Trump. Some of them, will, one of the, uh, will end up in his cabinet. Um, one of them could end up as the vice presidential um, nominee. Uh, and I have to say, you know, um, of the people on stage, I, I think um, uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy um, seems like uh, uh, he did the best uh, Trump impersonation. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's right. And there's also the generational millennial aspect of it, um, which uh, he played up very aggressively. Um, this idea that, you know, as he chided Mike Pence, you know, the Cold War ended in 1989. You know, we need a new cohort of leaders um and it's interesting you know it's um it became really clear that um you know the other candidate of indian american descent on the stage was nikki haley and there's like this really palpable tension uh between those those two rivals um and i think there's some weird anxiety of influence on on haley's part like you know this was supposed to be my slot you know <laughs> And uh, Vivek is this, you know, um, as you say, this kind of um, upstart kid who's, uh, you know, um, who relishes being attacked. It was very clear he was smiling as, you know, everyone else clamored to to go after him. And that's another, you know, kind of 
um, little remarked feature of Trump's appeal. You know, he's so um, associated with this dour kind of Spenglerian vision of, you know, American uh, carnage, American carnage. Exactly. Everyone forgets that he's a Trump is a, a textbook apostle of positive thinking. You know, he, Norman mm -hmm. Vincent Peale was his preacher, presided over his first wedding. Um, and all the election denial stuff is pure Norman Vincent Peale. It is just like it is you create a mental universe in which it's literally impossible for you to think about failing. Um, and all of that um, comes from Trump, I think. And, and Ramaswamy is also that kind of weird, you know, happy warrior, even though he wound up saying things like we're in a very dark time. There's an internal cold civil war that we're living through. Um, but he does it in this kind of like, um, yeah, it's it's a really difficult um, mindset to characterize because <laughs> it's so contradictory. Um, but for sure, yeah. I, I mean, it's a sort of very pessimistic about sort of public life and the state of the American project, but very uh, hyper optimistic about, you know, one's uh, the personal competence of this sort of CEO right. class, you know, right. and of, I you know, alone business. can fix it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sort of, yeah. you know, to uh, since we started with Gramsci, you know, like one can flip uh, <laughs> Gramsci saying it's a kind of you know pessimism of the uh, social order uh, combined with an optimism of um, uh, self-help ideology. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. It's 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 a and it's such a deeply American thing. And that what's interesting about DeSantis is he you know, it's hammering away at it. Every other sentence out of his mouth was like, America is in decline. Um, and, you know, he he only offers like this, you know, grim, um, you know, punishment minded, you know, he's going to kill the cartel um, lords in Mexico. He's going to, you know, you know, break the teachers unions. He, he, you know, it's like he's going down this checklist of enemies and he has no... Um, you know, his his affect is all just, you know, grim, shouty, um, you know, um, commands he's barking, essentially. And and it yeah. utterly fails to land with the Trump base, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is interesting because policy wise, he's, you know, it's like Trump on steroids. You know, it's it's doing all the culture war stuff. It's doing all of the, the kind of, you know, assaults on the deep state bureaucracy and getting none of the traction yeah no i mean it perhaps shows how little policies actually you know behind it matter, and how, yeah. how much how much uh affect and but also like i mean i think i think that um uh self-help uh you know positive thinking uh uh component is so strong and it's, it's interesting that um uh, some of the trump imitators don't see that i mean you mentioned right. you know uh, Ramaswamy smiling uh, and the sort of happy warrior willing right. to, you know, take the, the arrows of his opponent and just mock them. You know, would, compared to like, you know, Ron DeSantis, it's actually painful to see this guy try to smile. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, uh, you can easily find these uh, images on um, on social media, but there there was an attempt um, at, at a smile and, uh, you know, <laughs> like you, you, you felt like uh this is um yeah the, the this robot uh is is not ex achieving uh this ai is not achieving sentience yeah no the uh, operator's <laughs> manual needs to be updated <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right yeah so um yeah yeah no i i, I 
so I, I mean, I, I do think, well, obviously, it's interesting that like so much of the attack was aimed at um, uh, Vivek um, uh, Rasami, um, um, Ramaswamy, uh, uh, because you would think that DeSantis, as the number two candidate, you know, he as the leader on that stage, would be the one that was under attack. Um, right. And uh, but uh, so clearly, everyone kind of senses that Vivek is the guy with the energy, with the juice. Um, yeah. He's the one you know you don't want to see rise. Um, and yeah. one would imagine that you know, like coming out of the um, debate, we're seeing you know sort of um, um, indications just based on sort of Google searches, but also um, some focus groups. You know that um, Vivek did the best, um, and then right. Nikki Haley came, sort of came in second. Uh, right. But if that's the case, like. He's gonna be get under more attacks, and like, what? Where do we think the attacks are gonna come from? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there were you know lots of you know uh, you know Mike Pence said something like, "Not this is not the time for on the job training." You know, mm -hmm. a lot of attacks on his experience, um, which again, mm -hmm. you know, it's exactly what everyone did to Trump in 2016, and it just did not matter. Of course, um, because because you have a voting base that like hates Washington, hates right, um, exactly, the established right. order, and actually hates the Republican Party. So, right. so to, to say like I'm a Republican governor with a record, and uh, this right. businessman has no experience, like you're slitting your own throat. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually... it's, it's the Jeb Bush playbook. It's just like yeah, we know where that leads um, in the Trump era, and it's also interesting. I was thinking about this, um, you know, when. Um, Ramaswamy first announced, I wrote a, a piece for the nation about um, how he is um, touting, you know, the mistaken American version of the meritocratic ideal. Like he's, you know, his whole assault on wokeism is predicated on this idea that, you know, merit is the um, ironclad and steadfast determinant of individual virtue, of success in the capitalist economy. Um, all of which is discredited by almost the entirety of American history. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because I was also thinking back in uh, 2016, I, I wrote a couple columns about how Trump was the anti-meritocratic candidate. You know, he um, stood up in this field of, you know, sort of seasoned politicians and governors touting their records and said the entire system is corrupt. And I, yes, I donated to Democrats because that's how the game is played. And, you know, this is how you get access in a totally corrupt system. He, you know, just gleefully toppled the whole ideology of meritocracy. Um, and it's an interesting, again, this, this. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. You know, desperate need to, to find a formula to replicate Trump on the right. You know, you just keep running into these kind of, you know, he has somehow, as you were saying, forge this bond with with the Republican base so that they, you know, just basically um, reject everything about, you know, the conventional models of political leadership. You know, they don't want experts. They don't want, 
you know, IRS bureaucracy. They don't want the deep state. They don't want people cooperating across the aisle. They want to break things. Um, yeah. And, you know, Ramaswamy definitely can break things, as I, as you alluded to <laughs> in his business career. It's all private equity uh, sort of pharmaceutical um, grift. <laughs> um so, but he still has this kind of residual attachment to the meritocratic dream in America that, you know, I don't know how that that will play. I, it's it's a cudgel against the the alleged forces of wokeness. But as you and I have both written, the uh, the the great counter revolution against wokeness has not really yielded. Um, significant political turns on the right returns yeah. um, no no exactly and I, I was actually kind of struck with the debate there was some talk of wokeness but not not as much as uh yeah no it was it was quite you know there there were anti-trans things um you know that people sort of did as asides because that that is something that all the republicans feel comfortable with you yeah know? yeah but but not yeah. not 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 a lot and I, I do think that you know they're kind of waking up uh, to the fact that this is not the political winner that they yeah, been, that uh, everyone uh, thought it was after yeah. Glenn Youngkin, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Um. Uh. I mean, the whole meritocracy thing. I. I mean, it's interesting. There's such a distrust. Um. And this goes beyond the Republican base, but it's particular in the the strong in the Republican base of, of institutions of like you know like these authority figures. Um. But I think that maybe among Republicans, the one place where they still kind of believe in meritocracy is money, right? Like if you're, right. you know, you're, you're the figure that made the money, th right. that that shows that you know what you're doing more so than you know the eggheads, the experts, the uh, yeah, uh, that's that's right. Yeah. Um, so so and he has um uh you know like uh, Ramaswamy has a uh, you know uh, uh uh compelling sort of story for that base of you know right. like like uh, being a billionaire. Uh, you know one can. You know, like I, I, as with Trump, you can like look at that and say, like, actually, these businesses, you know, are kind of, you know, yeah. like uh, uh, fraudulent yeah. or whatever. Shells, but, right. but, but, to some degree, I mean, within the context of American capitalism, I, I, I don't think people care, or at least Republican voters don't care, like, you know, whether right. you made your money honestly or not. Or it's, it's like, oh no! In yeah, fact, I, this is this probably... is the party. This is the party of used car dealers, right? Like, right. this is the the party. So right. of car right. dealers in right. general. So I mean, you know, it's kind of accepted that uh, you do have a little bit of Blarney and a little bit of like uh, uh, salesmanship. Um, uh, in order to like you know make make the final sale right like you um yeah 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 uh, so I, I kind of um so I I I I do uh, feel um um I I mean the the contrast between um uh, Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley is interesting because they're both um you know I think exploiting their status as a model minority but to right. different uh, factions of the party like I feel yeah. like to the extent that there is still this old Republican establishment, um, uh, Nikki Haley is perhaps uh, sewing that up and getting, you know, like she will maybe become the favorite candidate of the donor class. And, uh, uh, you know, like she has their policies in both sort of economics, you know, like complaining about government spending uh, yeah. and on foreign policy saying like we have to, you know, stay in, um, yeah. stay in Ukraine and that China's like the, the big enemy. Uh, so I, I sort of feel like, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's I would not have predicted that, you know, 
um, that, uh, you know, that leaving Trump aside, the two kind of avatars of the two wings of the party would both be of, uh, you know, South Asian descent. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, and, and, and I have to say, like, of the two wings, like, you know, like the donor class can get you money and some attention and a lot of favorable media coverage, but are they going to get you... Um, uh, uh, I think that the uh, the sort of MAGA base that distrusts all this, that you know, like isn't sure, you know, like why are we spending money on Ukraine when we could be killing Mexicans? Right, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. know, Bring the war back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think, like, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like you uh, maybe get, get your thoughts on this, but I feel like of the two, uh, if these are the two emerging figures. Like I feel that uh, Ramaswamy, you know, has an edge over um, Haley, um, not with the donor class, but with the with the GOP masses. Yeah, no, I I think he definitely represents the future of Trumpism, you know, or a figure like him. Um, and he's clearly, um, you know, adapting very rapidly to like, you know, the the profound shifts in our politics. Um, I, I was also thinking when you were describing, you know, the the kind of grift-like character of both his and Trump's fortune. I remember when uh, the Apprentice first aired, some critic, you know, uh, read about the, you know, there there were many scenes in the penthouse apartment of Trump Tower where Trump lives, and you know, it's like a gilded bathroom, a gold toilet, it's, um, and. Um, some TV critic wrote at the time that Donald Trump is a um, poor person's model of a rich person. Mm -hmm. And I do think that is, you know, God knows how much ink has been spilled about, you know, the somewhat mythical, you know, attraction of Trump to the white working class. But I do think that kind of brash and unapologetic em embrace of wealth, um, as as the metric of you know success and achievement is very um it's it's kind of the original dna of the republican party going back you know to its 19th century roots um and i think you know um ramaswamy understands the the kind of um faux populist uh, appeal of you know trashing the administrative state of um saying you know that the these are uh, doomed wars that we're once again going into and ukraine is just like vietnam or or iraq um that um that is going to really play i think with the maga base the other thing i always say about the the present condition of american politics is that the republican party is afraid of its base and the democratic party hates its base and so you have very different dynamics, you know, in the scrum for for party leadership in in both parties as a result. And you know, the trick for you know aspiring Republican leaders is again to do the unrepeatable Trump thing of sort of get the base riled up about you know whatever it is, you know, the, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick one week and then, you know, China and COVID the next, it's, you know, always a moving target and then just do nothing <laughs> to, uh, you know, these aren't really solvable problems anyway that they're all gesturing toward. And, um, 
And you know, that that part Ramaswamy has down. Like, like it's obvious he's not gonna if he were somehow to be elected president, he wouldn't be able to dismantle the federal workforce overnight and you know do all of these things but you know it makes great you know pseudo populist theater to say you're going to do all that and it gets that the base you know riled up in in the way that trump knows how to do yeah no i i i, I think that's right like i mean trump's own presidency shows the the model of this that you know there are real limits um uh as to what uh uh, Republican president could do even you know during the brief uh, period where like Trump uh, enjoyed uh, a trifecta. Uh, but I, I mean, in some ways the two sides feed on each other. It's the precisely the gridlock of the political system that is really unable, like you know, under Democrats or Republicans, to you know seriously address any you know major problem that Your like problem. makes yeah. yeah yeah makes it so appealing to like you know well at least we can have entertainment right like right you know, the, the and, and also the... like you know you can <laughs> yeah, have yeah. the the kind of you know fulfillment wish of like um burning it all down you know yeah send the irs packing send the teachers unions packing you know um yeah. we'll, we'll have whatever a, a, a calvin coolidge like you know, government once again. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you, know, know, that, 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 you know, it's so hilarious to me where, you know, Mike Pence was simultaneously touting, you know, what were toward the end of the Trump years, you know, low unemployment, you know, historic low unemployment for um, women, for African Americans and Hispanic workers, um, and never, you know, I, virtually the same breath denouncing rampant government spending when all of the uh you know sort of economic gains um that trump was able to realize occurred through massive deficit spending like you know <laughs> not only during the covid emergency which was a you know a weird reversion to an american welfare state that the republican party you know reviles in theory uh but also the massive tax cuts enacted yeah. in, in 2017, you know, that was already a historic level of deficit spending. And then you had COVID on top of that. And so Mike Pence is now going to run around and say, you know, Joe Biden is spending like a drunken sailor. Like, yeah, again, policy just does not matter. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Although I, I will say, like, I think one thing where like um, the Republican Trump wannabes uh, I mean, it seems that they are different or they're failing is there is a reversion to the old sort of, you know, Paul Ryan, you know, like, right. uh, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got, you know, deficits too high. We got to start, you know, tightening the belt. And Trump doesn't talk like that. Like I, uh, yeah. and then Trump is like, you know, it looks like, uh, I mean, his most recent policy statement, which is like, uh, you know, like a 10% tariff, uh, yeah, right. I, you know, like is, uh, uh, you know, like um, dubious on its own right, but it kind of, you know, he doesn't talk about cutting Social Security or Medicare. Uh, and, and so, I mean, again, I think that gives him an edge, um, uh, like, you know, against people who, like, um, give all the evidence of still being so beholden to the donor class that they will, like, right. you know, advocate wildly unpopular policies. Uh, yeah, that's, no, it is. That's, that's uh, what the plutocrats want to hear. Uh, yeah. But but uh, since we're talking about Trump, I, I mean, do you want to just uh, maybe round this out with, you know, like where you think the um, the indictment stands. Uh, I've always felt that the Georgia case was the 
most serious you know well i mean obviously the the um the jack smith stuff with um um january 6th is also important but i mean i thought the georgia case seemed to give like the most um is the richest sort of target area in terms of having like the most yeah. like evidence of like you know like just how trump's operation worked and uh in your column you kind of talked about it that it is uh um you know this kind of uh criminal enterprise and i don't think it's an accident that you know they used uh the sort of rico laws that one would normally you know yep. bring to bear upon uh mafiosos uh on this so 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 yeah i mean what's your impression of uh, uh, the uh, the case that's now being brought against them. Yeah, no, I, I think a, a number of things are striking when you sort of lay uh, the Georgia indictment alongside the Jack Smith January 6th indictment. Uh, first of all, um, in Jack Smith's indictment, Donald Trump is the only person named. Um, mm -hmm. In the Georgia indictment, there are 18 other um, um, charged co-conspirators who have already started to turn themselves in against the the deadline uh, for the uh, defendants to turn themselves in and be arraigned is tomorrow, uh, and Trump is, I think, in the process of of uh, appearing um, for what is now his third uh, criminal arraignment um, uh, as we speak. So um, the other thing that's worth noting, you know, I mean, there's a whole theory that the, the main reason Trump is running for president this time out is to ensure that he doesn't land in jail, um, that namely that he can, you know, pardon himself. He can, um, you know, sort of wipe the slate clean of all the, the federal charges against him. That's not the case in Georgia. It's a state level prosecution. Um, it's also noteworthy that Georgia, I think, is one of two states in which um the governor does not have pardon power, so he cannot lean on Brian Kemp, um, who is trying to be a good, you know, loyal soldier um, in in the MAGA cause um, to to pardon him. There's a five person board that does pardons, and that's going to be a, a pretty difficult needle for someone like Trump to thread. Um, and you know, it's also the case because it's a RICO prosecution with all of these defendants. Um, you're going to have many it's it's going to be like a more conventional um uh da prosecution where you're going to try to get people to flip under threat of um serious jail time um mm. so you know you, we're already seeing mark meadows like frantically whirling around <laughs> trying to get his case you know reclassified as a, a federal uh case which has already been um request that's already been struck down um there's just going to be a lot of activity around you know these other um apparatchiks in the in the trump world who um would prefer not to be behind bars so um <laughs> it's going to be yeah i think the the potential both for long-term serious consequences um for for trump personally are far greater and um the potential for get you know i've always said like i you know how much corroboration do we need like this is also a case <laughs> where donald trump is literally on tape trying to get uh brad raffensperger to quote find him twelve thousand votes um this does not <laughs> seem like you know a head scratcher from any uh you know for any competent prosecutor um to proceed with so 
So, yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, obviously the big caveat here is that, you know, um, Republicans are fond of saying there's a two-tiered justice system and they're right, but it's not the two-tiered justice system mm -hmm. they imagine. It's a two-tiered justice system that benefits people like Donald Trump, who are immensely wealthy and powerful. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, and in particular, Trump's case, even beyond being a very wealthy uh, person, uh, I mean, he's already been allowed to get away with a lot more than it, oh, sure. uh, any other can, uh, any other um, person facing uh, these charges, uh, just in terms of like witness tampering, you know, like threats. Oh, yeah, to, I know. I mean, yeah, he should be in jail right now on those grounds alone. Um, yeah, he yeah. should have been led away in leg irons on January 7th, but that's yeah. a whole other yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 yeah. In this case, yeah, justice is grinding extremely slowly uh, and imperfectly. But uh, yeah, there, there's something. There's actually a movement happening, and it, it's gonna. I mean, the whole combination that we're seeing of Trump as the front runner, because like all these uh, indictments just make um, uh, the his base love him all the more. Um, uh, combined with yeah, yeah, co yeah, co combined with the. Um, uh, the justice system um, working. I mean, it's, it's uh, we're really in uncharted territory here. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, if one if one were a nihilist, one would almost uh, uh, like the um, the prospect of uh, uh, President Trump uh, serving uh, the, the uh, his presidency not in the White House but uh, from jail. Right, but, uh, <laughs> right. Sort of like. Paul Servino and Goodfellas, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But uh, uh, anyways, we 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 will uh, continue to watch what happens and uh, see what happens. And uh, you can read uh, Chris's writing in in the Nation, uh, where um, this podcast is also carried. Uh, and uh, yeah. So um, uh, once again, thanks for uh, being on the uh, program. Uh, thanks for having me, Gene. Always a pleasure. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.